You're listening to Parenting with Emotional Intelligence, a subset of the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, the founder of Catalyst for Change, LLC, Generation EQ, and author of The EQ Deficiency. If you find the information in this podcast valuable and want to learn more about how you too can incorporate these essential skills in your family's lives, I welcome you to contact me personally and we can have a chat. You can find my personal calendar link and contact information in today's show notes. Let's talk about communication when it comes to parenting. Communication is crucial no matter who we're speaking with, even when we're communicating with ourselves and our inner dialogue. But there's some subtleties that if we're not aware of them and we don't know how to pick up on them, then it can completely change what we're interpreting and how we're communicating. Today, I'm going to read from directly from my book, The EQ Deficiency, because I have an example that I feel like will showcase what I'm talking about, and it's a dialogue between a father and a son at a baseball game, and one way he's communicating is what I call the traditional parenting style of communication, and then the other way is parenting with emotional intelligence, and what you'll notice is that the father will kind of pause and start to notice what his child is communicating non-verbally, more so than verbally, because this is a younger child. So if you have toddlers at home or even teenagers that aren't that great at communicating what they're feeling and what they want and need, then I think this example will benefit you. So yeah, I'm going to start reading directly from my book. So here we go. And if you do have a copy or want to get a copy of the EQ deficiency, I am reading from page 49. That's where I'll be starting. So if we want to set our children up for social emotional success, it is crucial to provide them with opportunities to think, feel, and express themselves in a healthy and authentic way. Imagine the positive results if we were taught why and how to come from a place of compassion and understanding versus being told what we should do. Now, this is a transition piece from the chapter, Be Polite and Know Your Place. So that's when I talk about what we should do, because a lot of the things that we do is based on what we're told to do. We're not really thinking about it. It's just a program, the script we're running. So let's look at two different responses to the exact same event. The first reflects a traditional parenting style using reinforcement of social acceptable behavior and norms, while the second dives a bit deeper into understanding the child's emotions. So scenario one, this is the traditional parenting style. Jacob, a three-year-old, and his dad are at a Little League baseball game where Jacob's older brother is playing. Jacob is fidgeting on the bleachers and playing with a baseball his dad gave him. A group of young kids around Jacob's age, maybe slightly older, are playing catch close to the bleachers. Jacob's dad, noticing Jacob's restlessness, suggests that Jacob go play with his friends. Reluctantly, Jacob eases his way down each bleacher step by step, pausing near the bottom and glancing back at his dad. Go on, have fun, his dad says. 
Seeming disappointed at his dad's reply, Jacob descends the rest of the way down the bleachers, holding his baseball tightly against his chest with both hands. Jacob makes his way to the outskirts of the circle of children, again glancing back at his dad, who gives him a nod of reassurance and a smile. A few of the children notice Jacob's presence and run over to him. Within minutes, a shrill cry comes from one of the children, grabbing Jacob's dad's attention. Jacob's face is scrunched up in a scowl and narrow brow. His body turns slightly away from the group while he tightly clutches his baseball. Now both Jacob's dad and the parent of the crying child are at the scene. Jacob's dad, with a look of concern and disappointment on his face, says, Jacob, what happened? The crying child, being consoled by the parent, says, he pushed me. Jacob's dad, addressing Jacob. Jacob, why did you push her? Jacob, she tried to take my baseball. Crying child, not ah We asked if we could play with it, and he pushed me. Jacob's dad, Jacob, that wasn't nice. We don't push people. What do you say? Jacob mumbling under his breath, sorry. Jacob's dad, she didn't hear you. Say it like you mean it. Jacob, louder, sorry. Jacob's dad, that's better. Now give her a hug and share your baseball with them. It's nice to share. Jacob gives a hug but is reluctant to share and groans. Jacob's dad, if you can't share... I will have to take the baseball away. Do you want me to take the baseball away? Jacob, no! Jacob's dad, then share and play nicely. Parent of the crying child, seeming satisfied with the discipline by Jacob's dad, in addressing his daughter, says, take it easy, don't be too aggressive. So Jacob's dad's response seemed to resolve the issue, right? Or did it? The underlying feelings resulting in the cause and effect were never addressed. Reinforcing social norms and expectations does not actually change anything deep within us. It simply smooths over hard feelings without encouraging us to feel true remorse or accept responsibility. Group norms don't meet and validate our emotional needs. Is it any wonder that many of us experience so much anxiety, depression, judgment, gossip, and drama? Now let's look at a similar situation and apply emotionally intelligent parenting. Now I'm kind of blending two things here. Communication, obviously, being able to pick up on the cues of the child. But we're also talking about social norms and being polite and telling our kids what they should do, how they should react in certain situations, which is what is previously talked about in this chapter. So when I kind of talk a little bit more heavily about social norms, that's why. But I really want to focus on the communication piece here and not just verbal communication, but how the parent is picking up on the communication of the body language of the child. So this is scenario two. Jacob, a three-year-old, and his dad are at a Little League baseball game where his older brother is playing, and Jacob is fidgeting on the bleachers and playing with his baseball that his dad gave him. 
a group of kids are playing close to the bleachers and his dad notices his child's restlessness. Now, this is where it starts to change. He picks up on the child's restlessness and he asks if Jacob is interested in playing with the other children. And reluctantly, Jacob shrugs his shoulders. So he picks up on that. He picked up on the restlessness. That was a style of communication. He picked up on the shrug. So what does that mean? So Jacob's dad, trying to verbalize Jacob's body language, asks, are you feeling worried or uncertain about playing with other children? So he's asking him a question. He's not telling him anything. So Jacob nods in confirmation. Jacob's dad, what specifically are you worried about? Again, Jacob shrugs. Now you got to remember, Jacob's a three-year-old. It's hard for him to understand what he's feeling at this point. So Jacob's dad is trying to help him communicate what he's feeling. So Jacob's dad, trying to find the source of concern, he says, are you worried that they won't like you? Jacob says, no. Then Jacob's dad, searching for clues and noticing that the baseball is clutched tightly in Jacob's hands into his chest, Are you afraid they will take your baseball? Jacob nods in confirmation. Jacob's dad, if you knew they would not take your baseball, would you want to play with a group? Again, Jacob nods in confirmation. Jacob's dad, what if we went over there and we talked to them and let them know your concerns? Would that be okay? So Jacob's dad is really trying to help his son understand what he's feeling and communicate it. And he does this by asking questions, not telling. Again, that that's such a crucial piece to this is we need to ask more questions. And he asked, would that be okay? He's not trying to force his kid to do anything. So Jacob shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> and Jacob's dad patiently says, well, it sounds like we have a few options. Now, we've talked about options before and how important it is for us to give children options to help them figure out something. All right, so he says, one, we can sit here and watch your brother play. Two, you can go play with the kids, but they may try to take your ball if you don't tell them how you're feeling. Or three, I can go with you and talk to them and we can decide from there. And Jacob says, I want to talk to them. So Jacob's dad walks with him to the group of kids, allowing Jacob to make the first move by asking to play with them. Then Jacob's dad drops down to one knee to position himself at eye level with the other children. And while that is a physical gesture, what does it communicate to those children? It's non-threatening. It puts him on their level so they're less Potentially, you know, some kids are reluctant to come up to adults. They may be intimidated. So it makes them feel a little bit more comfortable, potentially. So Jacob's dad says, Jacob would love to play with you all, but he wants to tell you how he's feeling first. So Jacob, holding the baseball tightly, says, I don't want you to take my baseball. Jacob's dad restating his son's concerns, kind of elaborates on that a bit and says, Jacob is worried that you may take his baseball. 
can we agree not to take Jacob's ball? Addressing Jacob, what if they play with the ball with you, but promise to give it back? Would that be okay? And then Jacob nods in confirmation. Jacob's dad, sounds like a plan. I'm going to leave you to play now, but I will be right at the bleachers if you need anything. Okay? Jacob, with a slight smile on his face, says, okay. So both of these scenarios ended in Jacob playing with the other children. However, in scenario one, Jacob's needs were not met, which led to confrontation, a forced apology, and an expectation that Jacob should get along and share with the other children, which was not Jacob's choice. In contrast, in scenario two, Jacob's feelings and needs were understood and met. With some help from his father, he was able to express them, and the other children also confirmed his needs, eliminating possible upset and confrontation. Jacob was willing to share and play nicely with the other children, but this time by choice. All right. So now that I'm reading through that, I realize that it's kind of a combination of both communication, being able to pick up on body language and cues, and really diving deeper into the needs of the child and not forcing those social scripts and expectations on the child as well. So when you are communicating with your child, are you expecting from them what potentially was expected from you by your parents? Or are you consciously communicating with them? Are you consciously picking up on their needs and addressing those needs and helping them to communicate those needs? So again, this is from my book, The EQ Deficiency, which you can find on Amazon or in any of your bookstores. They may not have it on the shelf, but you can always ask, and I'm sure they'll have it in their catalog. So this is all for today's episode of Parenting with Emotional Intelligence. I hope you found it valuable. If you would like to learn more or have questions, I encourage you to check out generationeq.org, where you can find out All this information about Generation EQ, what I do, what I offer. You can also contact me through there. I have the link in the show notes below. But until next time, live and lead with an open heart and an open mind. Thanks for listening.